welcome to the Creating Ripples podcast. I'm your host, Alexandra Zahner. I believe in the power of sharing our experiences and knowledge with others, and when we do, we are creating ripples of impact around us. Each week, get ready for intimate personal shares, honest, relatable conversations, aha moments, and so much more. This space was designed to create empowerment, inspiration, community, and provide guidance to elevate those around us. I am so excited to have you here. Get ready and let's start creating ripples. Hello, welcome to the Creating Ripples podcast. I'm your host, Alexandra Zahner. Thank you so much for joining me today. And today's guest, I found, which I was saying to her before we started recording, I think randomly through the world of Instagram, she is sober and her name is Stephanie Still. And I'm really excited to have her on because I've been following her journey throughout the last few months. And what I think is so cool is she is someone that is really young for being sober. And so I can relate to that a lot, getting sober myself at 24, but she got sober even younger than I did. And it's been really cool to see and hear how that's impacted her life and how she's trying to really help other young sober people come together and recognize like how much you can get out of a sober life. And so I wanted to have her on the podcast to just share her story and experience with all of you and kind of some of the learnings and takeaways that she's had. So Stephanie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be on. And we were talking before, I I still think it's like so random that we cross paths because she lives in California right now. She's from Washington. I'm obviously from Minnesota. And it's just like so weird how the interweb works. But I feel like there's always a reason that people cross paths or why you start to like find somebody on social media and follow them. There's like some sort of pull there. And so for me, I really feel like getting to watch you and see how you share your story and the way that you are really trying to help other young people see that like you can actually live like a really fulfilled life sober in your early 20s and you're not missing out on all of these things and so I'm really excited to have you just share that experience and so if you could talk a little bit about you know what led you to decide to remove alcohol from your life and um, a little bit about that journey and experience for you. Yeah, definitely. So like you said, I got sober just six months after turning 21. Um, it was the middle of my junior year of college, but definitely was having feelings of, you know, do I have an alcohol problem or should I go sober away before then? Um, basically, I started drinking if we're just going to go back a little. I started drinking my probably junior year of high school, um, obviously was underage, wasn't legal. I feel like I have to paraphrase that or um, say that, but um, yeah, I just started drinking with my friends. Wasn't really sure when it transitioned from every once in a while to every weekend, but pretty soon that's all me and my friends were doing on the weekend. And I remember just you know, it started out pretty casual. And then over time, I began to be the friend that blacked out a lot and would always need to be taken care of at the end of the night. And on the nights that I wasn't that friend, it was because I was taking, I was using so much of my mental space and energy to make sure that I didn't black out. So I wasn't enjoying the party. And so it was many, many years of me promising my friends that I was going to make a change and 
not making a change and kind of going back on my promises because I physically couldn't. And so thought that, you know, by entering college, I was going to have a chance to reinvent myself and I was going to learn how to moderate my drinking and I wasn't going to black out anymore. And I wasn't going to, you know, damage my relationship with my friends. And so for a while in college about, I wouldn't say a while for about the first month I did that. I went to parties and I made sure that I moderate moderated. But if you ask me even now, like what, who I talked to during those first parties or what I was doing, I couldn't even tell you because I was so focused on moderating my drinking and how many drinks have I had and when's my next one coming? How many more can I have before I reach the point of going overboard? And so it was really taking away from the experience. Um, and then kind of just eventually fell back. You know, you can only moderate for so long when you do have issues with alcohol and fell back into the blackout patterns. Um, at this point I did have a boyfriend, so it made it, you know, not easier, but if I was, in that state, people kind of just pawned me off to him. So no one would really see the super negative side of it because he was always the one taking care of me. So I owe him a lot for that. But um, yeah, just started to keep just kept blacking out a lot. And then once I started um, my sophomore year of college was when I really was using alcohol as a way to cope not just because before this, I feel like it was, I was drinking to, you know, because every other college kid was drinking and I was drinking to be the fun one at parties. And sophomore year was when I really started using it to cope with my stress and my anxiety and my social anxiety of meeting new people. And so started to drink in the mornings, drink right after tests, um, before class speeches, if I was really nervous, anytime I ever felt anxious or stressed, I would drink because I thought that that would ease the stress. Um, and it did obviously for a couple minutes and then it would always come back even worse. And so I, I think it was November of my junior year of college after another summer of just drinking too much. And, you know, throughout this whole process, I thought I was fully convinced that I was the only one, the only 20 one-year-old out of the world who was having drinking problems. Um, because, you know, it's not, it's not talked about enough to have drinking problems when you're that young. And when you're in college, everyone's drinking, everyone's blacking out. I mean, obviously that's an overgeneralization, but it's very normalized in college. So it really prevented me from seeing the harmful effects that alcohol was having on my life. And so for a while, I thought I was very alone. I thought all my friends knew how to handle their alcohol because all of them were handling it better than me. Um, but at the same time, I didn't want to admit to myself that I was, you know, an alcoholic or that I was having a drinking problem because I was only at this point, I was only 20 and mm -hmm. I hadn't even reached the age of 21. And I was like, how can I have a drinking problem if I'm not even legal age to drink? So that was something that also kind of kept me drinking was, you know, the idea of going to happy hours and being able to go to bars. And finally, when I did that and realized that, you know, becoming legal made no difference in my drinking habits, um, it actually only made them worse was when I finally sat down with myself and kind of made a list of, I, I found this journal exercise and it was like, list the five best days of the year and then list what those days have in common. Mm. And I listed all these days and they were days where I wasn't drinking and I was completely sober. And so once I realized, you know, the five best days and the five worst days of the year were when I 
wasn't drinking versus when I was. Um, that was a really big indicator that maybe alcohol is the thing that is ruining my life pretty much. Um, so yeah, finally decided to get professional help because at this point I tried moderating time and time again. And so I went to just a free resource on my school's campus. It was a counselor. And with that, I never had the intention of going completely sober. I just went hoping that he was going to be able to show me how to moderate and he's going to give me steps. And this is how you're going to stay within your limits. And so that was my intention of going to it. And then over time, obviously still proved myself, even with the counselor that I couldn't moderate. So finally came to the decision that, you know, going sober, at least at that point, I didn't know if it was going to be forever, but going sober for an indefinite amount of time was the only option for me. And obviously that was so hard. I had to stay sober in a environment, living with five other binge drinkers, living with roommates, you know, living in a college town where everyone loves to binge drink and the pandemic actually a lot of people it heightened their drinking. And for me, it really did help, you know, because there wasn't parties to miss out on. There wasn't anything that I was feeling pressured to do. And so I thought the pandemic came at a great time in terms of my sobriety, not saying it's a good thing, obviously, but so yeah, got through most of the pandemic um, because, or got through my sobriety because of the pandemic, I'd say, and then made it through my entire senior year sober. And I just feel like I finally got into the place where it's not, you know, the feelings of, oh, I have to be sober forever. It's I get to be sober forever because mm -hmm. I have learned so much and I've seen so many of the benefits that there's just the option of going back to what I was doing and going back to drinking just doesn't like, why would I want to do that if my life has improved so much without it? So mm. yeah, that's awesome. And it's cool to hear just how things progressed for you in that journey to sobriety, because I think a lot of people can relate to that where I mean, I know I can, I so badly wanted to find a way to just moderate, moderate, moderate. And for me, it was like, just having beer tonight, just having wine. And like that never worked, but I wanted to like find a way to do that. And it wasn't just like you until alcohol was completely removed that I was able to be like, oh, okay. This, this is going to be how it, how, how it goes. And there was a few things that you were talking about that I kind of wanted to loop back to. And like one of them was um, how you were talking about the way that alcohol showed up in like you going to parties and things like that and how it actually took away from that experience. But I think we as humans and like especially as society, we create this idea that alcohol is going to add to the experience, but that's actually not the case. And hearing you kind of say that was interesting. And so, you know, when you think back to those experiences, like going to those parties and things, and you look back at them now, do you feel like you actually didn't have the experience that you thought you would because of the alcohol? Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I feel like, so do you mean in terms of like going to parties sober or going when I was drinking? Yeah. I, I, and I kind of phrase that a little funny. So I'm thinking about 
you know, especially in college, right? We go to college, we want to meet all of these people. We want to have great connections. And as you were talking, what I was kind of hearing was you went to those and to have that experience, but maybe that wasn't actually the experience that you had because in the end, someone ended up maybe having to take care of you or you're blacked out. And so the connection that we crave and look for, especially in college and at a young age, might not have been that exact experience like you thought it was going to be by participating in drinking. Yeah, definitely. I feel like I, I, going into college, like I said, I had a lot of social anxiety and just anxiety around meeting new people. And so I used alcohol as a crutch because I thought that it was going to be what made me fun. And I left this out of the beginning part of my story, but basically in high school, I was really shy, didn't have many friends like freshman or sophomore year. And then pretty much as soon as I started drinking, I started getting invited to more things and started making more, I would call them acquaintances now because they definitely weren't lifelong friends, but getting invited to more things. And so obviously for basically my entire life until I quit drinking, I associated me being fun with alcohol because that's what you know, made me come out of my shell. And so I think that was a fear that I had when I was quitting drinking was I'm not going to be fun anymore if I don't have this. And like you said, like when we were, when I was going to parties and trying to meet new people, you think that alcohol is going to be the thing that's going to make you loosen up and be able to talk deeply with people. But then, like I said before, like it really did take away from my experience because a, so many people are only focused on the drinking when they're there. Like, yes, they talk to some people, but it's like the second you're talking to someone, then you're like, Oh, you want to go take a shot? Like it's like after five minutes of you talking to them or B you don't remember what you talk about with these people. You don't remember who you met or what you said. So how is that forming a deep, you know, connection with someone in college? So, yeah, I feel like there is definitely the idea that you know, alcohol and drinking and going to parties in college is going to get you friends and you're going to meet a lot of people. But if you really break it down, like, and nothing proves this to me more than going to a frat party sober, which I did once and I will never do again, but it was basically just standing there and listening to people around you and listening to their conversations and realizing like, what are they actually talking about? Like, it's not, it's not anything beyond a surface level because when people get drunk, obviously it's so easy to talk about drinking and being drunk. And so the conversations are very surface level. And what I've realized is if you really want to have a deep conversation with someone, yes, the alcohol could take the edge off. I put that in quotes and help you get deep with someone. But if you really want to connect with someone, I found the greatest connections have come with just being vulnerable and open and sober and talking to someone. And so parties may not be the way that that happens. And I had to learn that too in college. Like, you know, it, there's such a big party scene and people feel like they need to go, but there's so many other things that you can do to meet people. So I love that. And I think that's exactly kind of what I was hearing you say was like, you learned that actually for those connections and that experience that we all crave when we go to college, we think we're having it when we're at the parties, but actually once you got sober, you realize like, Oh, those are more acquaintances. We didn't really have like in-depth conversation and connection. And so within the past year, do you feel like you've been able to find people and create these relationships and connections throughout your sober journey that 
those relationships are stronger than the ones that maybe you had um, previously and the ones that you were talking about, like that came when you started to drink or from you drinking. Yeah, definitely. I feel I definitely made a lot of my friends and I feel like a lot of people in college because of drinking. And it was really hard for me to realize that they were drinking friends. Like once I quit drinking, I really didn't have anything in common with a lot of the people that I was hanging out with. And so having to realize that was difficult, but at the end of the day, the friends that stuck around after I quit drinking, our relationships only improved and only got deeper. And the lifelong friends that I've had, you know, since high school who have seen me at my worst and now see me at my best, our relationships have only improved. So you think that you're going to lose all your friends when you quit drinking. And yes, you may lose the drinking friends that you go out and drink with, but, but those aren't the deep connections and the friends that you're going to turn to, you know, in times of trouble. Um, you're really going to truly find the friends that you connect with. And I'm, I'm still on that journey because like you mentioned, I graduated in June from college. And so I'm just now getting into the real world and just now starting to figure out how I'm going to make friends without college. Cause in college, it's so easy to make friends, you know? And so trying to figure that out as I go forward is going to be a journey in itself, but a journey that is going to be exciting because like it, there'll be deeper connections. I think it's what, and I say, I think a lot. And every time I say it, I'm like, wow, I keep saying, I think, <laughs> but Listening to your story, what is so cool is the perspective that you're able to have on, and you said this earlier of, it's not that I have to be sober, I get to be sober. And verbiage and mindset is everything. I lead a sober group on Tuesdays, and we literally talked about this last night of, at the beginning of sobriety, it's really easy to be like, well, I have to be sober. Like I have, I have to be sober. I have to stop drinking. And once you're like in it, you start to realize like, oh, I get to be sober. Like I get to show up at my very favorite self and feel really good and like step into my power and like be proud of the person that I am, the person that I'm becoming. And these connections that I'm forming and like the in-depth relationships that are being created and cultivated that I wouldn't have had the opportunity had I been drinking still. And so being able to flip that narrative is so important. And I, I think it's really a great takeaway, whether it's within your sober journey or different journeys, like making sure you're being aware of the way that you're phrasing things up. Cause I think that was really cool to hear you say like, it's not having to be sober, it's getting to be sober. And that can like really change things mentally. And when, so as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I thought it was really cool to see you share what you took away from being sober in your senior year and how, you know, there was a little bit of you that was like, oh my gosh, like, what am I going to miss out on? But then in the end, you realized like, it was so worthwhile to be sober. And I'd love to hear a little bit of what some of those takeaways were for you when you reflected back on your senior year? Yeah. So throughout my senior year of college, obviously I never pictured, like when I pictured my senior year of college, when I was a freshman, I pictured a ton of drinking and just enjoying the last of college. And I think that being said, there is this narrative that, and I've heard so many people in college say this is 
I'm going to make the most, like, especially when it got to the end of senior year, they say, I'm going to make, I need to make the most of the rest of my experience. So we're going to drink every day and hearing that, you know, and live my life to the fullest. That's another thing that I hear people say. And what I've learned is, you know, why society has, sorry, (laughs) society has really told us that living our life to the fullest means drinking and and who who what is their right to say that you know to me living your life to the fullest means you know making those connections with people and being present for every moment and so throughout my senior year I definitely had some thoughts of you know the nights that I didn't want to go to the bars with my friends I was I would think oh I'm gonna regret this after I graduate I should just go because I'm gonna regret not going out with my friends not saying that I was going to drink at the bars, but just being there and being in the college environment. And I can happily report that being now almost two months out, I have not regretted a single time that I stayed in because one thing that it really helped me realize is so many people say, you know, senior year is your last year. You really want to make the most of it. And when you're drinking your days away and you're not remembering your conversations and you're just connecting with people on a surface level, the days go by faster, you're hungover for half of them, then you can't go out and see your college town or, you know, get the good grades that you want to end your year. And so making the most of college to me was really about being fully present. And it really made the year go by slower in a sense that I was fully present for all of it, which was obviously hard at times. But I just think this whole narrative of living your life to the fullest in terms of drinking and being crazy, just, it doesn't have to be that way, especially in college. I I mean, I completely agree. I think we're served this idea that for us to have fun and to enjoy life and to let loose and to de-stress, like you were talking about earlier, or to feel less anxious that like alcohol is the only way to do that. And it's hard to get outside of that viewpoint and to see it any other way until you actually try it. Because I knew a few people that were sober when I got sober and I never like really like believed what they were saying until I got sober myself. And I, we were talking about this last night at our group because and maybe you can relate to this. Uh, one of the girls was sharing, you know, she has a hard time now. She's newer in a sobriety. She has friends that are still blacking out and binge drinking. And she's like, I just want to tell them like to stop drinking too, because it feels so good. And I also feel like they need to maybe like rein it in a little bit because, you know, she made that decision. And I totally related to that of where, when I was first getting sober, I would see other people drinking and things. And I would want to be like, well, like you should stop drinking too. And we had this really great discussion around that's not going to help anybody. Right. Like how helpful was it? I'm sure you had people telling you like, well, why don't you just like stop drinking stuff? Like Mm -hmm. I had people say that to me all the time. And we had a good discussion last night of it's so much more beneficial to just live your sober life and lead really by example of like, this feels freaking awesome. I get to be sober. I get to show up as me day in 
and day out. And I don't have to wake up in the morning apologizing to someone or asking what I did. And just like the more that people can just feel really empowered in their sobriety and continuing to, like you said, get vulnerable and like share their personal experiences and stories, that's going to make other people be drawn into that. And I think you've done a really great job at that because you continue to show up and just speak your truth. And I think it's so cool. Like I've been following along how you lead meetings for young sober adults. And I wish I had something like that when I got sober at 24, when I got sober at 24, I walked in the AA meetings and it was like me and mostly people at least 20 years older than me. And it made it really intimidating. And now I'm in my early thirties and I've made similar to you, a group of women that are in their late twenties to early thirties to connect with, because it feels so good to know that there's other people that are wanting to live the same type of lifestyle that you do. And with you creating that group, I would love to hear what you've learned like through that setting, because I know at least from my own experience of being in a group with other sober, I mean, we're technically kind of, we're like middle-aged, middle, middle young adults, my group, I guess. I don't know where we're like the middle, not middle-aged adults, but middle young adults in your groups, like the young adults. And I'm sure you guys are cultivating this awesome energy and learning so much from each other. And I'd love to like hear a little bit about that. Yeah, definitely. So Like you were saying, first of all, I think definitely leading by example has been a huge thing for me. I feel like at first, like you said, when I see my friends, you know, continuing to black out, I was struggling with, oh, should I push my sobriety onto them? Like I, I, I never wanted to do that. And so I found when I just shared my truth and showed all the benefits of sobriety, people started to reach out and be like, you know, I've never questioned my relationship with alcohol because it's so normalized, but after seeing just your posts, I just want to thank you for, you know, talking about this. So I think it's awesome that, and it's, it, it just brings up the point that especially in young adulthood, when drinking is so prevalent, people don't think that they have another option. They don't think that there is the option not to drink. A lot of people, I think, And so just giving people that option and showing that there is that option is something that I'm, that's what I'm trying to do. And I'm super proud of, but yeah, basically I started those, I started these meetings because when I was first trying to get sober, I joined a drop-in group at my school that my counselor recommended. And it was supposed to be where students could come and talk about their substance abuse issues and connect. And so I went to that for eight weeks and for all eight weeks, I was the only one who was there. And every week I thought more kids would come. I was just hoping they would come and no one ever came. So it was just me and the counselor. So it was just basically like another therapy session. But after that was when I really started to realize, like, I do need to connect with people. And so I started these meetings as originally a dry January support group for any, you know, young adult who wanted to join dry January, which is where you don't drink all of January. Um, and then after doing that all of January, people just really didn't want me to stop doing them. So I've been hosting two meetings a week for about nine months now, which is crazy to think about, but the group that we have created is just so 
inspiring. We, we meet, like I said, every week, not everyone comes to every meeting, but it's just a safe place where people who feel isolated can come and share their thoughts because quitting drinking at any age is hard, but quitting drinking, you know, in your twenties, late, early, early twenties, late teenagerhood is a different type of beast because everyone around you is, it seems like is drinking. And so having a place where people can come and just share their experiences has been so amazing. And I've learned so much from other people. I thought, you know, I'm the one who's going to have to host these meetings. So I am the know-all and I have to, you know, give my advice on everything. But over the months and over these meetings, I have just been able to kind of sit back and listen to people, which has been nice. You know, it's not so much me hosting anymore. It's more of just a group conversation. Um, And basically what it's taught me just overall among like the little tips and things that people share in it is that you are never alone. And I felt alone for so long, but there's always going to be a community out there for you. You just either a have to go find it or have to start one yourself like I did. And so I just am so grateful for those meetings and for the support that everyone gives in them. And it just really does prove to me that there are other people out there like me. There are other people at this age who do not drink and drinking does not have to be the norm, even when it feels like it is. When you started to share about your sobriety journey, what made what was the decision behind that? Like what made you decide, okay, I'm going to start, I'm going to start to share about this. Mm -hmm. So I do, I've gotten this question a couple of times and originally I used to say, you know, oh, it's because I felt alone, which, you know, I did, I did feel, feel alone. And I wanted to prove to other people who were feeling how I was feeling that they weren't alone because that's such a horrible feeling to have. But the other reason that I came to realize and that I never really wanted to admit, and I think is a good point to bring up, is that I wanted to fix my reputation in a way. So, you know, all the people that were my friends or all the people that I've hurt in the past because of my drinking who were following me. And when I posted I was sober, I low-key and subconsciously wanted that, I think, to be like, oh, look at me, look how much better I'm doing. I'm not that same person who hurt you. And I think it was my kind of way of, you know, making a grand apology to all these people I've hurt rather than doing it individually. And while that might sound like, I feel like a bad reason, I feel like, you know, it's normal to think about your reputation and the people that you've hurt. And one thing that this has really proved to me is you cannot change your past. And there are certain people that I have hurt in the past that I really wanted to reach out to me and to be like, I see how well you're doing. Thank you for posting this. Like I forgive you type of thing. And when they didn't reach out, you know, I could have hundreds of people reach out to me and say they're proud of me. But if those like two people didn't reach out, I would get so sad about it. And throughout the meetings and the people that I've met in there, we've all kind of talked about this and we've just learned that you can't change your past. And all you can do, like we talked about is move forward and show what you're doing now because of your actions. You know, you can promise your friends time and time again, that you're going to moderate your drinking and you're not going to black out anymore. And you're not going to keep having to have them take care of you. But what's really going to do it is you showing them and leading by example. So if that one person that you have hurt is not reaching out to you after you 
maybe posted that you're sober or that you've maybe proved that you're making these changes in your life, you know, don't sweat it for more than like five minutes, because at the end of the day, what you're doing now and the changes that you're making in your life, only, you know, what you're going to do in the future. And yeah, just like focusing on not, on not focusing on your past, because I feel like it's so easy to get caught up in your past and in the shame and in the guilt over the things that you've done. Like, I know I have a lot of guilt over certain things I've done, but focusing on what you can do to move forward is the most important. Guilt is such, it's such a heavy thing. And it's something that we put on ourselves because we don't actually know what any of those people are thinking or feeling about our experience with them or our interaction with them. But like, I know personally, like I would sit and like stew in like things that I found out that I did when I was drinking and I would feel really guilty about it and shameful. And I, it's interesting, like hearing your perspective on like a little bit of like your why of like, okay, well I'm getting sober and hopefully like the people that maybe I hurt during my drinking will understand like I'm making changes because it's true. Like we want people to see that, like we've learned from our past, but like you said, at the end of the day, we have to come back to like our why and our why has to be for ourselves and for no one else. Because if we do things solely out of the fact that we want other people to recognize them, or we want other people to acknowledge them, we can lose sight of like our why. And so it's interesting like here you talk about like how you've like learned that along the way of like at the end of it all like this is for me and I started to share my story because I felt alone and I didn't want to feel alone anymore and a lot of people could have done the opposite of what you did Steph and they could have been like I'm really alone and I'm fearful of sharing my story because if I put myself out there what if there isn't anyone else out there to connect with, but I love that you like knew there, there is a community out there for me and I'm going to find it. And that ties perfectly back in with what you were mentioning earlier. Like there is a community for you, like whether you're struggling with alcohol, stress, anxiety, relationships, like singleness, whatever it is that you're going through, like you're not alone in it and you might feel alone in this very moment, but there is other people that are walking that same path as you. And it can be scary, but once you step out and you can get a little bit vulnerable, that's when you're going to start to realize like you have other people walking that same path. And so for you, when you started to share that story, what did you start to notice happen for you when you got vulnerable and you opened up? Yeah. It was, it was definitely, I think sharing my story was as much for me as it was for other people. I think speaking my truth. And I remember the first time, the first time I ever shared my story fully was on my blog and then later on my YouTube channel. And so filmed it, filmed everything that I was going through, filmed like kind of what I was feeling in the moment during the times that I was drinking and put it out there. And after even today, like after every single Instagram post that I post, I get like a lot of anxiety because I'm like, oh, am I oversharing? This is too much. And then on the ones on the posts that I think I've overshared and that I should take down, those are the ones that get the best feedback and the ones that people DM me about and they say that they can relate. And so I've definitely found that 
by being relatable and by communicating in a way that's vulnerable and also speaking what I was going through, it's really helped me open up because for so long, I think I was, especially in high school, just determined to put on this front that, oh, I'm okay. Everything's okay. And I think a lot of people are, you know, do that too. They don't want to have their image tarnished by maybe admitting that they're struggling. And so when I finally started to do that, just seeing the outpour of people who said they were struggling too really made it all worth it. And that's what, you know, keeps me motivated to keep sharing my story and keep sharing that, you know, my mom had to hide the gin from me when I came home. Like that's something that I never thought I'd be sharing on Instagram, but, you know, just being relatable and being someone that others can feel comfortable. Cause the more that I opened up, the more others opened up to me and the more things that they felt like they could share. So it's really helped me as much as I think it's helped other people. Definitely. I think being vulnerable, although can it is scary a little bit, it's where like the true connection happens. And when we show up and we share what we're going through, it reminds us that, okay, other people are going through similar things because they start to message you or they comment on it. And they're like, oh my gosh, like I totally relate. Or like, thank you for sharing because sometimes people themselves might be too nervous to share and get as vulnerable as you are, but they still really appreciate you doing so because at the end of the day, we all just want that human connection. And just like you were talking about like your why of like, not wanting, like not wanting to feel alone. Like you wanted to start to share to not feel alone. Like that's what we all crave. Like we want that human connection is we want to be reminded that we're not alone. And that's exactly what I'm trying to do here with this podcast is having people on to share their stories, all different kinds of stories to remember, like we all have like our own experiences. We're not alone in them. They might not be the exact same, but we can all relate on like this human level. And when we can just like lift up the veil and like show up as ourselves, that's when I feel like magic really starts to happen. And that's why I feel like too, this whole Instagram movement, like I feel like Instagram is still super polished and people only share, it's like a highlight reel, but I think there is a movement towards people starting to share their struggles. And that's, I remember one time I made a post about how you know, in college, people always post the photos from the night before that they took before they started drinking. So they'll post the photos where they look all cute, but no one will ever post the photo at the end of the night with their head in the toilet. And so Mm. I remember making a post once of me at Coachella and it was like, you know, what I posted on Instagram, which was this cute picture of me in my outfit, like before we went. And then the reality of it was that I do not remember any of that day. So by, you know, sharing both sides, especially on social media, I think it's definitely helped people realize that, you know, there is more to everyone and not, and no one is as perfect as they portray. Right. We all have our own baggage that we're carrying and it's different for everyone. And I, I mean, I think that's a really like, I mean, it's true. Nobody ever shows the photos at the end of the night. It's all, let's get photos now before I start drinking. Yeah. <laughs> Was how it always used to be. Um, thing though, because t- I, I actually recently just saw a TikTok trend that's been going around of like, it's like these girls and they, 
they show themselves at the beginning and then they do show themselves at the end of the night, like with their head in the toilet and everything. But, and so I thought maybe like, originally, I think I thought, oh, that's, that's good. We're taking a step in the right direction and we're showing the negative effects of alcohol. But really the point of those videos is to be funny. And so that's just mm-hmm. another reason why that has been so normalized, you know, and so normalized for the girls who don't make it to the end of the night or who pass out at 9 PM. Um, and those videos are just like perpetuating that idea that this is normal. And so speaking mm-hmm. out against it, you know, is hard because there's so many people that believe it, but it's something that I think has to be done. I, that's a really good point because I have seen a lot lately on different social media platforms, videos that are like all about like getting messed up and getting drunk. And it's been interesting because I've been looking at comments lately and I've started to see like a lot of people are like, ha like this is so funny. And then like other people are like, this is actually pushing the idea of like alcoholism and like drinking problems being okay. And it's, it's, those are comments I feel like I never used to see on that type of content. And it's interesting to see that there is like this wave and this shift of people realizing like, wait, like making jokes all the time about getting like messed up and drunk. That's like giving this idea that that's Mm -hmm. like how you're supposed to be out drinking when it's like, actually you ideally would go out drinking, have a good time and not get messed up like that and not be throwing up in the toilet. And I think if we have so much content out there like that and young kids grow up seeing that, that's why we get this idea of, well, that's just how everybody is. Because as you were talking about that earlier, like we have this idea, well, I'm going to go to college and like, I'm going to party for four years because that's what we're served up is that that's what it's supposed to be like. And it's hard to step out of this idea of what normal is uh, because I feel like we're, we're brought this false image of what normal is. And we have to decide like, wait, is that the normal that I want for myself or do I want better for myself? And so like seeing you like recognize like, wait, I could continue down this path, but I actually like want something more for me. Mm-hmm. And that's not always easy to do. And usually like when we choose to make those tough decisions for ourselves and we go down like the last traveled road, it's hard, but at the end, like it's so worth it. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, you know, in, as you reflect back on your sobriety journey, and you've already alluded to this a bit, but what has been like the most like worthwhile or most surprising thing to you about getting sober that like, maybe you didn't even think was going to be something that came about your sobriety journey? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I feel like just the confidence that I've gained, I've never, I was never a super confident person. And so I drank to combat that. And Mm. I think a perfect example is the idea that, you know, I've been wanting to start a YouTube channel since I was like 12 years old. And I grew up watching it and I never had the guts to do it. I started one like when I was 15 for like a month and then got embarrassed and took it down. And now that I am sober and now that I have gained that confidence, I have a channel and I'm doing something that I've been wanting to do for like 10 plus years at this point. And so just seeing the difference that it's made in terms of my confidence when, you know, posting things or talking to people or talking on podcasts or job interviews, it's, 
it's been really amazing because I think I thought I would lose confidence in terms of not being able to loosen up with alcohol, but I've actually gained so much more than I could ever imagine. Um, and then one other thing is just all the doors that I think sobriety has opened for me in terms of, you know, my platform and the people that I meet and the connections that I've made all would have just never been possible with sobriety, like, or without sobriety. I don't know where I would be today. I don't know if I would have graduated, to be honest. And so, yeah, I, I could go on and on, but you, you know, you do, you do expect like some of the things like people tell you, you know, your skin is going to improve and blah, blah, blah. They tell you all the benefits of alcohol, but I think the most surprising and the most rewarding things are the things that you don't expect and that, you know, catch you off guard and you're like, oh yeah. And sometimes you don't even realize it in the moment, but after, you know, taking time to reflect, you're like, wait, that would have never been possible if I didn't quit drinking. When you think about your sobriety and you're ta- you're thinking about like, you know, like where you are today and all the things that you've gained. And I think it's like having confidence in yourself is huge. And a lot of times we use alcohol as a way to give us more confidence or like, we think it's actually giving us more confidence, but it's really awesome to hear that you feel more confident now in yourself than you ever have before. And I don't know, this is a little like sidetrack, but something that I've been thinking about and maybe you can relate to it too. When I got sober, it was really scary to get sober at a young age because people are always like, well, how are you not going to drink for like the rest of your life? And like, I, that was a common question for me. And I don't know if you've had that question too. And for me, initially I was like, oh crap, like, I don't know, how am I not going to drink for the rest of my life? And what's been really helpful for me is remembering like, nobody knows the future. So let's focus on today. Let's focus on like right now. And I'm not planning to drink today. And for, you know, you know, what are some of those tough questions or things that people have asked you because you got sober at such a young age and how have you been able to, you know, take that question and not let it be something that deters you from continuing down your sobriety journey? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And I feel like, you know, the main question I get is like similar to you, like you're so young, how are you going to, you know, not drink for the rest of your life, which is like how, you know, no one knows how many years that's going to be, but it does seem very daunting. And that's definitely something that deterred me from drinking for a while. But one of the best pieces of advice that I got, and that really helps me whenever I'm starting to feel, you know, like I maybe want to start drinking again is, which doesn't happen often, but is, you know, drinking and going out with your friends and doing what society tells you to do seems like it's the easy route, but you know that it comes with a lot of hardship. You know that it comes with you having to do damage control in the morning and, you know, having to you know, be hungover and you know, all the costs that alcohol is costing you. And then on the other hand, so that's, you know, drinking is hard in that way. Sobriety is obviously super hard and not giving in to the, you know, drinking culture and doing what all your friends are doing in the societal norm. So both options are hard, but each day 
someone once told me that you just have to choose your hard. So you have to choose, you know, are you going to take the path that's hard of sobriety or are you going to drink and then deal with those hard consequences? And for me, it's a very easy answer. Every single time I'd so much rather choose sobriety, even though it's hard because at the end of the day, it's going to give me and help me get the most out of life. That's awesome. And it, it, it's a great thing to have like in your back pocket to remind yourself of like, I am choosing this journey for myself. And I know that it might be harder for me right now, but this is what I need to like live and get the most out of life. Mm-hmm. Definitely. We, uh, I don't, I, I think it's just so interesting and really cool to hear that, you know, you shared your story, you showed up, you get really vulnerable. And now you've got people that are following your blog and following your YouTube and are a part of your meetings and groups. And it's really cool to see this sobriety journey starting for people at an earlier age and to hear the benefits that you've had. And I think the more that you can continue to share that with other people, it's going to like literally make such an impact out into the world. And so keep doing that because it's really awesome. Like I'm very grateful that I like happened upon um, you on social media. And I just love hearing all the things that you've learned and been able to gain in your sobriety. And so my last question actually that I have for you is what is the ripple that you want to create? I would say that the ripple I want to create is the idea that you can still have a fun, rewarding, fulfilled life without alcohol. And in a lot of cases, an even more fun, more rewarding, more fulfilled life. I want to stand against the idea that, you know, you need alcohol to have fun, especially at a young age and just create, you know, like you said, I have people following me. I have people subscribe to my channel who are watching me and the numbers and everything, you know, that may seem like that's the only community that I have, but so many people have told me that the impact that I'm making is so much larger than just the amount of followers that I have, because, you know, other people see what people repost. And so I just want to continue spreading that message and continue sharing that sobriety is, you know, it's a scary and daunting thing, but at the end of the day, it has been the most rewarding thing. And I have learned to live a life where I don't need alcohol to have fun because I think, you know, a lot of people think that that is something that you need, but I have found that people actually, you know, are impressed by the fact that I don't need alcohol to have fun. And yeah, I guess. I love it. I just thought of one more question. When you look back on your sobriety journey, like what's something like an activity or something that you did that you think you never would have done if you hadn't gotten sober? I know you said your YouTube channel, but like what's something that you did or an experience that you had that you're like, if I hadn't gotten sober, this never would have happened. And it's like so wild and crazy to like look back and be like, crap, that's so incredible. I had that opportunity. Well, obviously a lot of my sobriety, like I said, was in the pandemic. So I didn't obviously have the option to like go out and do a ton of stuff. Um, But I would say in terms of this past year, I know there's probably going to be a lot more 
things that are going to happen. And probably once we end this podcast, I'm going to think of like 10 things that I could have said right here. (laughs) But um, one of the things that I'd say probably would have never happened if I wasn't sober was um, going to, no, I don't like that answer. I think thinking of it as like tying Mm -hmm. it back into like, what was one of the things that you um, got to have in your sobriety versus like that verbiage that we were talking about earlier, like, I have to be sober. Like Mm -hmm. I get to be sober. And so something that like, you look back and you're like, wow, yeah, that really, that was really something that happened for me. That really helps me feel like I get to be sober. Yeah. Yeah. So thinking about this now, I have, this might be kind of like a minuscule thing to some people, but I have been following this um, YouTuber named Lauren Elizabeth. I don't know if you know her for years and years now. She's like one of my favorite YouTubers and she actually followed my blog because she is also sober. And so just having that validation of like someone that I have looked up to so much for so long is following me and has DM'd me saying how much they appreciate my story. That was kind of just the validation that I needed to be like, wow, I'm doing this for the right reasons. And I'm making an impact so much greater than I ever thought was possible. Mm, I love that. And it's a, it's a good reminder. Like you never know like how many people you're impacting by sharing your story, whether it's one person, 50, a hundred, a thousand keep sharing your story because it is powerful. Like our stories and our experiences, like they make a difference out into the world. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Where can my listeners find you? Yes. So you can, I was formally called Funship Blog, changed the name because was tired of saying the word shit in all of my job interviews. So I can, I am now at, at Steph M still on Instagram. Um, my blog is still funshipblog.com, but a new website is actually coming, which will be just stephaniestill.com. So depending on when you're listening to this, you can find me on one of those sites. And my YouTube channel is Stephanie Still. Okay. And that will all be linked in the show notes. Stephanie, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, sharing your story. Keep doing what you're doing. It's really awesome. And I, this is all we've got for you today. So for the listeners, make sure you rate and review the podcast, share it out with your friends. We can continue to grow this incredible community until next time. Let's start creating ripples. 